Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, it's game week four and no wins at home. It's Linden to London as Dykes is set for Rangers, but not that one. And what's more important, commemorating VJ Day or Kilmarnock versus St Johnston? It's easy, right? It's the first one. Apparently not if you're the Tory leader, or the new one for that matter. I'm Andrew Slavin here in sunny Lisbon, but back home, sheltering from the storms, it's my wee pal from The Telegraph, JJ Bull. Hello, JJ. Good afternoon, evening, morning, everyone. And good night. How are you, JJ? How is everything? It's good. It's finally started raining, as I'm sure everyone at home in Scotland has had for a while anyway. (laughs) Well, it's lovely here. It's lovely here in Lisbon. It's very, very nice. Hot all day, topping up my tan. Not quite, because I'm working every single day. It's hard work out here. But the big question for you, JJ, is um, who can train and who can't train in Edinburgh right now? Well, it's a setup (laughs) for a good answer. (laughs) The answer, as we all know, is uh, Hibs and Hull, but not Hearts. Yep. Because the... uh, well, the championship teams are told they're not allowed to train this week. So Hearts wanted to get back onto it, prepare for their triumphant next season to return to the Premiership. And even though Hull are training at the same uh, ground as them, <laughs> Hull are allowed to, but Hearts aren't. And it's caused a bit of unrest. Well, even more so because, you know, Hearts have got a semi-final in 10 weeks' time. So... I mean, it's, it does. It, I mean, that it, is ages. It, it fails. It fails to impress me when you think. Just use your common sense. Use your common yes. sense. But if remember it, if, what this podcast is about, Andrew. It's Scottish football, <laughs> and let's. Uh, we don't need to talk about it more because that it, nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense in the Scotland. The SPFL don't tend to help anyone out. It does, it's all. That's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. Beautiful. Well, like you said, enough about hearts. Let's get into this week's show. We're going to start with the teams that are in third and fourth this week. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. That's Clark with the layoff. Chammers strong on the ball. Quick feet. This looks promising. Nicky Clark! That's what you call instant impact. Five minutes off the bench. And Clark scores his second goal of the season. So Dundee United came from behind to beat Ross County 2-1 at Dingwall as the new boys prove their worth on the road. JJ, do you think United were deserved winners in this one? Uh, I think anyone would have been deserved winners in this game because both teams played very well. Uh, mm. I think Ross County in particular looked really good. Since since Benji mentioned that they were really good against, against Motherwell, I thought they were all right when I watched them before a couple of weeks ago. But I really noticed that they are actually quite a good entertaining attacking team Ross County and, yeah and they seem mm. really organised and they've got like there's some, some players playing quite well for them but Dundee United are where maybe Ross County are focused on attacking play at the moment Dundee United seem to be more organised at the back right so then you, it, I think it's easier to destroy than create so they sit back mm-hmm. a little deeper and they don't send so many players forward quite so quite so quickly but they like the first the goal that Paul had scored is a bit of a stramash and the finish by Clark for the second is really... I love those like tight angle finishes. You would never try it on Pro Evo because you know local keeper will save it. But in real life, it's worth a go. No, I think I think the goals were good, but I think Ross County can be pretty 
hard done by. More so because Ross Stewart had three good opportunities to score and he, he didn't. Well, I think the, the boss for Ross County, Stuart Kettlewell, said that Stuart should have had a hat trick and he should have. And if, you know, those are the those are the differences and you go on to lose the game when you're actually playing quite well, as you say. Sure. Uh, but you can't really rely. I mean, you miss, you see teams missing chances all the time. Like it was the same as Manchester United in the Europa League. You don't take your chances, you don't win, but you still have to find ways to not let in scrappy goals. I, I just think that's something... There's whatever the difference is with Stuart Kettlewell being in charge, it's definitely working, and we like it. There was, I mean, they could even have said that they should have been due a, a penalty early on because Peyton mm. went down in the box. Uh, it's not a penalty for me, Clive. I don't know what you think. <laughs> no, 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 not a penalty for me. I think when players dive in the box or when they roll around after being hurt, like a tackle, they should be made to explain their behaviour uh, to their families afterwards. <laughs> Like give them lines at the end of the match. No, it's just like, well, I guess so in a way. But they have to sit in front of the TV and rewatch it and like, Daddy, why why are you crying when you didn't get hurt? It's like, well, son, I was... It's it's cheating. It's called cheating. And yep. uh, that's the thing. Yeah, explain themselves at the end of the game. Decent. I like that. That, that I can see the SPFL bringing that one in. Um, I'd like to say that this is a pretty good start for Dundee United, isn't it? Because yeah, definitely they're co- coming through, coming through, brand new manager. You know, you would think that that would maybe make the team feel a little bit unstable, kind of unsure what the what the future might be. But they seem to have bought in to Mickey Mellon's kind of work ethic, um, if that's the best way to say it. Um, because we've spoken about it before, just how how he's on at his players all the time to just reset, go again. It just seems to be they've bought into this idea that they have to work hard to get a good start. Because if you start well in this season, you're going to have the best possible chance to not be relegated. And that's what Dundee United have to have. It's a weird league, right? If you can get about 15, 20 points early on, you're basically not going to get relegated. It's kind of. Probably, because you can still pick up a couple of draws here and there. And we all know that, you know, when Lawrence Shanklin didn't play the weekend, but if he comes back, the real hope for, for United is that he will. Reach the heights that he has in the lower divisions, and he has to because for him, he probably doesn't want to stay at Dundee United forever. Um, but that's obvious for any player with good ability and good finishing ability. So he has to come back, um, and it'll always be good for Dundee United to to sell and get some good money for him. Um, but anyway, that's that's that one. <laughs> Dundee United get Celtic next, um, but Ross County will travel to fifth place St Mirren. So up next, a board draw at Easter Road. Hibs and Motherwell have had very different starts to the season, but nothing could separate the two sides on Saturday evening. Motherwell did have the ball in the back of the net, though, but it was ruled out for offside. So JJ, was it? Was it the right decision? If he's touched it, yes. This is contentious with offside calls. <laughs> so uh, Jordan White hits the... He strikes it sweetly on his... Right foot, I think. Right foot. Anyway, Why it's are you going to go like that. Because it's the, what, the old Pro Evo guy, ISS 64, the commentator. Nigeria are in the lead. Do you remember wow. that? Wow. N- no. Brazil <laughs> are in the ascendancy. Anyway, so, so Jordan, Jordan White, White. Jordan White hits it with his right foot and it goes in the goal. But Seedorf is just the other side of the defender. And it, you can see that he's um, uh, sighting the keepers. Like the keeper cannot see the ball. But he doesn't touch it. Or does he? I don't know. I've not seen enough angles. I've looked for different angles of it. I've been through Scout, mm. Can't find anything from behind the goal. 
you're an angles cameraman, you love all this stuff. They don't have it on the broadcast feeds I've seen. So, I mean, I think by the letter of the law, I think that means he's offside and it's a bit of a shame because, you know, White just thought he was uh, thought he was in. Um, so that was a bit of a shame. The rest of the game was, pr- I can't tell if it was r- like rubbish. It was very dull. Nothing really happened. But for me, tactically, it was quite interesting because you have Hibs who are set up to kind of be quite direct and, and strong on the counter. Motherwell, who in the past have been good at that, but are playing a very possession-heavy game. And so they need to be... So both teams need to be careful of each other. Like, Hibs can't let Motherwell have all of the ball, but Motherwell can't let Hibs hit them on the counter, so they can't really open up in the way that they want to to be able to to control the game. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. But there were opportunities in this game. Probably one of the best I saw was um, Daryl Horgan whipping the ball in and it was Nisbet just in the six-yard box, headed it just over the bar. Uh, there was a there was a couple of bits and pieces, but it was mostly like both teams struggled to kind of to create like build up play was fine, but anything in the final third was pretty locked down. So there was a, there was a few chances that the teams created, not a huge amount of shots. I think I can, you know, the match stats. I'll have to find them for a second. Motherwell had seventeen and um, Hebs had twelve. Right, so I think a lot of those from outside the box and long range hits. I think David Turnbull was doing a lot of good. He was forcing the ball into the box, which is what you want to do. A lot of vertical passes. But the teams were so not worried about each other, but they didn't want to be able to concede chances to each other. So as soon as you got in the final third, a lockdown, and, and uh, no one was able to really ping the ball quickly enough to take advantage of the others being in transition. So mm. Hibs wanted to play the way they have done in the past few games, but couldn't quite do it. And uh, I think they put Scott Allen on in the second half because they maybe they thought that would be able to unlock something. But you can't because Motherwell were just locked down. And a point for each, I think, was exactly what the result should have been. For this game. Stephen O'Donnell signed for Motherwell from Kilmarnock, which is an interesting one because he trained for Kilmarnock all the way through the summer and they were paying for his uh, COVID testing. So, is that right? yeah, that's right. So, do you think it's a bit unfair that he's went to Motherwell and not maybe stayed at Kilmarnock? No, I mean, he was a free agent. He's maybe training with them for free, but they don't have the money to offer him. And he's obviously looking for, what is he, 28, I think. So, he's looking for mm-hmm. this would be his last big contract. You can realistically get a three-year deal from somewhere, probably the championship in England, depending on who wants to take him on. So he doesn't want to sign anything long-term in Scotland because it's not going to be the money that he wants. So a deal up to January means he can basically play for Motherwell for the next few months and he could still sign for another club because of like FIFA rules. He can still move to a club in England, even though he's technically signed and registered for Motherwell now, which would be good for him. But yeah, hmm. I think he'll, playing for Motherwell, who are higher up the table, are likely to be more... Well, they're in Europe as well, so you might get European football. Like there's, mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. And he, he needs to be playing at the moment. There you go. Well, Hibs look to return to winning ways against Hamilton next, and Motherwell will face St Johnston. So we're going to discuss their win next. Five minutes to go. Kilmarnock with Finlay should tidy this up. Oh, he's shortly with the pass back. Michael O'Halloran is in here for St Johnston. Saints steal it. It's stoppage time. That's just a hopeful punt forward from Robertson. Finlay tries to recycle the ball. And surely St Johnston will be going home now with all the points, with virtually the last kick of the game. St Johnston got their first win of the season as O'Halloran was gifted a winner in the 94th minute against a 10-man Kilmarnock. Three goals in this match, three major defensive mix-ups, you'd have to say. But at the end of the match, there was a lot of questions about Kilmarnock and their decision-making. Um, particularly, I would say, for, for the winner. 
you know, that pass back and, you know, fair play, O'Halloran saw it and his pace has always been his biggest attribute. But could they have done better to defend that? I mean, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, obviously. But it just, it, I don't know if it's decision-making. Like, the pass is just... It's not, it's not enough on it. So the pass... But I think it's... Is it... F- who is the player that plays the, the ball back? Mm. I can't... I was trying to work it out and I can't work out who the player is who plays it back. But um, I think Finlay then chases it in and uh, as it goes around the goalkeeper to score, Halloran goes around the goalkeeper to score, defender just collapses to the ground. He's like, no, you blew it up, you idiots. Like in, you know, that Planet of the Apes bit. And he's <laughs> smashing the ground. Killy are fine. I don't know what you, you make of this game, Slavin, but like... St. Johnston, both these two teams are going to be in amongst the, I think, I think the bottom six probably all season long. Uh, there's there's be- there's good parts to both. There's negatives to both, and it's I think it's very early in the season to say whether one's struggling or one you know, one's doing well. But as much um, as well, I thought I thought St. Johnston actually played some nice stuff in this game, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the build up to the to the realizer. I just think the structure where they play, they play passing football. I'm kind of surprised. I don't think St Johnston really p- played defensive-minded football that maybe we would have expected. Well, we said that I a couple of weeks in a row now, haven't we? About St Johnston, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they're they're playing a little bit more open. I'm actually really surprised. It's a different system as well. They're playing uh, like a three-five-two. I'm not sure how yeah. often St Johnston have done that. Um, I've also noticed as well that Ali McCann's playing a bit deeper than maybe he was last season, so he's. More That's in, interesting because you'd think because Liam Craig was in that game and he would you, you wouldn't want him to be bombing up the field. No, but Craig was this. I think he was the what you'd call the six in this game. He was kind of the holding player in the mm-hmm. midfield three, and McCann was able to get forward a little bit more. But in recent weeks, like from the start of the season, I think McCann's had a bit of a deeper role. All these games now we're not weird. We're already in the weird part of the season where the next few weeks are going to be. Yeah, Kilmarnock won this one. St Johnson won that one. It's going to be a bit of a mix and match. Well, um, yeah, because considering Kilmarnock was it, were able to get a draw against Celtic as well. Yeah, the other thing so that St Johnston's relevant to us is uh, they have two games this week. They had that mm-hmm. win against Kilmarnock, which is big. Then they've got Aberdeen coming up on Thursday, so double. Well, not double, but you get more points for your fantasy teams. Oh well, we'll talk yes. about that later. Well, Kilmarnock will go on to face Rangers next weekend, so let's talk about Rangers. Uh, they were unable to break down a dogged defensive Livingston at the Tony Macaroni, the best-named stadium in the division. 0-0, the scoreline. Was this nerves for Rangers, missing the likes of Joe Aribo, who's always really good at receiving the ball at his feet? Or actually, kind of credit to Gary Holt for being able to contain Rangers and, and not allowing them a sniff around the box? Because it was a dull game. <laughs> yeah, Rangers had about is it 80% possession. They mm. had the whole game. They dominated it. Um, that's exactly how the two teams set up. When you play against a, a team like Livingston, the way they set up, the kind of general, generally accepted way of breaking that down is to move the ball quickly, stretch the pitch, and make sure you can get the ball forward. So you stretch it so you make the pitch wide to force the opposition defence from side to side and to create gaps so you can thread the ball through. You mm-hmm. need to have a good tempo and you need to have players making runs to stretch the opposition defence and just to offer passes. And um, one of the criticisms criticisms I've seen since the game is that Rangers didn't need to have both Ryan Jack and um, it's better to call him Chris Kamara but it's not Chris Kamara <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Kamara in the midfield you can sort of see what the, what the point of that is and when you have like Ryan Kent who likes to play inside the pitch and Yanis Hadji who likes to play inside the pitch you're kind of limiting your, uh, your uh, the, the way you attack because 
the whole whole thing with Gerard's system is it's quite narrow, and I think that's to help mm. with counter pressing. It's quite cloppy in the way they're trying to do that because then the width comes from the fullbacks, Barisic and Tavernier, who were able to get forward the entire time because of the way Livingston were set up. So like, if they're Livingston's way of attacking is going to be from set pieces and getting the ball quickly through counters. Rangers' width has to come from the the fullbacks, but then every time they put the ball in the box, Livingston were just throwing bodies at it as though their lives depended on that <laughs> technique. Technique? What am I talking about? You know what I mean? Like it's not like a feels like oh, Livingston defended amazingly. Levinson defended with everyone behind the ball and everyone in the box, and they're just hurling themselves at it. It's not amazing defending. It's not like they've been on coaching and Gary Holt is hurling balls into a box and saying, like, now dive for it with your head. Do you know? It's just yeah. people determined to get the ball away. That's not to say they didn't do it very well, because obviously they did, because they came away with a point. I also wonder yeah, of course. how much the pitch makes a difference and um, how slow the ball would be on it. So you can't ping the ball around as, as quickly on a four. Yeah, pitch. but you know, you know just as well as me that if you have the better players, no matter what the surface, you should be going out and imposing your game. And, they did and coming back with the result. Yeah, they did, but it's that cutting edge. And Rangers have got the players. Morelos was out there. Hadji is out there. Kent's out there. They even brought in Roof, um, who we haven't really seen much yet. But I'm still got questions on his on his match fitness because he's not really played much at all. But they've still got players to break break Livingston down, especially when you know. Yeah, but they have. But then, Livingston don't have Lyndon Dykes. He, he's he's off. So they they don't. No wonder Livingston had everyone behind the ball because they can't rely on Hamilton up front or the the new lad Salim Kedarusa. I might be saying that wrong. <laughs> Apologies. I don't know, but I don't. I don't think that makes a difference, Livingston, because if Dykes was up front, it'd be the exact same system. You're playing against Rangers. I you disagree. Know you're not going to have much. Really? No way. Yeah, because they'd have a focal point. Dykes was an absolute pain against the likes of Rangers and Celtic last season. They don't have. They didn't have a focal point yesterday because they're going to have to not change the way they play, Maybe. but they're going to have to find a bit more quality up front. And that's that. That was a question that came into us from Doctor Grant Campbell because um, he asked who's going to be the new striker after the departures of, of you know Dykes. Looks like two million off to Queens Park Rangers. Which means he's a Queens player again, which I quite like. Experience out, of course. <laughs> but you know that they're, they're missing that they're missing that front link, and yes. that's that's why I'm not surprised. And that I think it could be a period of instability for Livingston this season, and then they have instability. to unlock that. Yeah, I like it. Well, I went through. I was just thinking that who could they have got, and if you look at how they scouted and signed Dykes, who is obviously mm-hmm. Queen of the South, hence your mm-hmm. Queen's comment, where he scored a prolific ten goals and eighty six appearances. I mean, he but was his young. assists are very, very high. He's, he's young, so you know you got to give him that. Uh, and then Livingston, he was eleven goals last year, 28, 28 games. Well, that includes this season as well, I think actually. Mm-hmm. However, if you look, at, if they're trying to sign someone like that, and I went through why scouts who scored whatever um, last season. So if you're looking at a championship player, um, the most likely, well, the highest scorer last season uh, was Lawrence Shankland. They're not going to be able to afford him. Kevin Nisbet, below him, with 18 goals. He's gone to Hibs. <laughs> um, they've got the boy Hemmings at Dundee. Who, he's on his way back down south. Yeah, he's gone to Burton Albion, isn't he, I think? Yeah. I think he's gone there. Yeah. Um, and then below him, you're looking at Kevin O'Hara. He's gone to Dunfermline. And then <laughs> Stephen Dodd. Well, that's the thing. Like, is, that, is that maybe, is that questions on Livingston? Maybe, like, the, the whole summer, it's been all about Dykes playing for Scotland or Australia. 
but there was always interest. Why? And they've brought in this this lad. I think it was from Queens Park. But they'll have they'll they have a tiny budget, and they'll have definitely done their scouting. So they'll have targets that they know they can go for. I would mm. imagine the most likely is in lower league. So the kind of guys that you would know that I've never heard of, uh, and it's very hard to find out who those are unless you know the actual scouts at Livingston to see who they're doing. I don't even know what their living what their scouting setup is like. It might well yeah. just be Gary yeah. Holt. <laughs> like phoning up any, like he'll might just have some agents that he knows. So like, yeah. who have you got? And then they do their scouting that way because their budget is so small. A lot of the time, that is the case. Yeah, just ask so the rental players. So they rely on those loan deals, stuff like that. There could be they mm-hmm. could look for a, and a lot of players in England, Championship clubs, things like that, have young players who might want to be able to play in the Premiership because then it helps their reputation, and they can get games that way. But I mean, there's so many, and I don't know how many of them are built like a Lyndon Dykes or like a Sam Cosgrove type, you know, that kind of big lad. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. see, we'll, we'll see. see. I, I, I think it'll be worrying times for Livingston in the next couple of weeks, but hopefully I'm wrong. Rangers will be disappointed because they didn't extend their lead at the top, especially when you have the likes of Celtic not being able to play. Um, so one more match to go, and it's St Mirren, who are 1-0 winners at Hamilton, who in turn have now lost three in a row. Foley, McGrath now, Foley again. Marias, the ball's bouncing around there. Abika tries to get it out. Tate to keep it alive. Abika, Hamilton concede. St Mirren score. Jonathan Abika with his first goal of the season. Brian Rice has said he's really concerned, or very concerned, in fact, that they're bottom of the table and have played two more matches than Aberdeen and they might genuinely not finish 10th this season. You think they will because you like to believe that they will always finish 10th. Because it has been written in stone, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think they were really naive in this game. They actually still played some nice, nice moments, but I think they played some nice moments. Yeah, and I'll say again then, (laughs) they they had some nice passages of play. But what they didn't have, they just can't get into the box. They just can't. And St Mirren, St Mirren actually showed that the the players they've brought in, they've just been able to create this enough experience to understand Goodwin's kind of approach to the game, which is quite. Not laboured, but patient, and they look for opportunities when they can, like any team. But um, Jonathan Abika got his goal, and that's fine. But he, they still they still lack that cutting edge up front. But when you're playing Hamilton, you might not necessarily worry about what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you don't have to be worried about Hamilton. I think the problem that Rice has even talked about is that it's a young team, and they're not making all the right decisions, and they have to learn quickly, and they're not. But there's, I mean, it's a long season. And they could sure. well go a few games without picking up points and then they'll find them from somewhere as the youngsters work out more of what they're doing. The problem is time. And then like you look at who Hamilton have got in that starting lineup and you compare it to I mean Simon and Richard Tate, your favourite, played him there. Switched to more of a sort of diamond shape for this game to counter Hamilton who are playing a I think they're playing a four four two mostly this season so far. I think St. Mirren is better organised because of the the older players, more experienced players that they have on the pitch. And yeah, I, I agree. Honestly, it's just like simple as that. I don't know. It if, is um, so simple as that. Yeah. Both managers know what they're doing. They know how to coach a team, but you can't, you can't control them like a PlayStation when they're actually playing. So, and I also your favorite, another one of your favorites, um, Yak Almwick in goal. He's <laughs> <laughs> doing oh, well. He's doing very yak. well. He's, he's scoring highly on who scored actually. So he's uh, 
one to look out for. Well, maybe that maybe the that contradicts what I'm saying that, that Hamilton don't get into the, the the box enough. So they obviously must have got a good couple of shots. I only saw the highlights, so yeah, I, I I've, didn't I've watch watched the full game from rapid high speed. The problem the problem I think is in them keeping possession and making the right decisions at certain times. So often the the pa- the the pass that needs to come doesn't, and then a safe one comes afterwards. But the safe one actually puts them under more pressure because they have to go backwards and you draw pressure from the other team. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's about being a bit braver, taking more responsibilities in certain situations. It might it might come. A positive thing for Hamilton may be that David Templeton's back. Um, you can't expect too much from him earlier on. Early on. But he is that experienced member that they can rely on eventually, I think, when he gets, gets a bit more match fit because he is that difference in quality between the whole team. And um, I know he played up front with Moyo, or so it seems, on the team sheet. Oh my God! A oh, big moment, big moment in life. Andrew Constantine just followed me on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> this must be going back to like the time that there's this guy who just loves talking about Andy Considine. Andy Considine follows me on Twitter. Congratulations, JJ. Thanks. That's breaking news on the podcast. That's pretty special. <laughs> Is this? Like, is like there anything that, that beats something like this for you? Like I don't know, birthdays, Christmas, was it everything know. wrapped into we'll one? Find out, we'll find it this year, I guess. <laughs> anyway, Could you imagine halfway through the season he just blocks you on Twitter and it'll all come crashing down. Yeah, it might. Well, okay. Anyway, <laughs> we'll get him uh, on the show. It's enough about me. It's enough about me. <laughs> Well, that's it from the weekend's action. Celtic v Aberdeen was, of course, postponed. Aberdeen and St Johnston are back in action on Thursday. But that doesn't mean we're done here. As still to come, there's a Scottish side in action in Europe. The latest comings and goings in the transfer window as well. And JJ has been wild. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. It's fantasy time and JJ's gone early. JJ, what have you done? I went for it. You're too far ahead of me. So <laughs> <laughs> Panic station. And all my players had either coronavirus or <laughs> tested negative for coronavirus or they were injured or suspended. Ah... I've never been very good at fantasy football. So I used my wild card and replaced the entire team. Wow. Yes, and it worked well. I scored so far. <laughs> uh, I've scored 43 points. I know this is boring to everyone who doesn't, you know, about fantasy football. The average is 39, and I scored 43. So the change has made no difference, and you are still far away from me, and I'm not sure I can catch up. But we just uh, off mic, just learned that... Um, you didn't realise <laughs> if you make two transfers in one week, you get minus four points. So that's one for you to know, because you didn't know that, like Slavin. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of annoyed, because I don't even know what the second transfer was. But regardless, yes. I still got 47 points, which will, what, come? 47 yeah. minus four? <laughs> 43 <laughs> points. You're still going to beat me anyway. But we should talk about some new players who are on the on the game this week that you can be able to buy, and whether they're worth getting or not. Albion and Jetty signed for Celtic for 5 million in real life and he's worth 7 on fantasy fantasy football <laughs> uh, in fact all the players producer Abby was pointing out earlier how all the players are slightly ever so slightly overvalued on fantasy compared to real life like Harrison Just Payton at Ross County is 2.9 million he's definitely not worth that in real life 
Go on, JJ, you were saying about Albion Ajeti. Ajeti. That's the one. Ajeti, he's signed from uh, from the West Hams, who play down down south, south of the border. In that Premier Leagues. <laughs> In the Premier Leagues. Uh, he'll probably be all right. I think Celtic are going to go back to a 3-5-2 by the looks of things, because it's not working at the moment the way they're playing well uh, I, asked, another... I asked about I asked some West Ham fans what do you know about Albion Ajeti because I don't know much about him and they were like we don't know either we look forward to seeing him play for Celtic <laughs> so we, we shall wait with Beatty Black to see if he's any good <laughs> well okay so so on, on Ajeti so obviously he's just signed and we'll, we'll see if he's any use like West Ham fans don't know either mm-hmm. it could be one that you buy now and it means that you get the points before anyone else does like a differential almost, because a lot of people might wait to see how he gets on. Form is key in this game. Uh, another one you could look at is Stephen O'Donnell. It's just signed uh, from Motherwell, which we were just talking about earlier. 3.1 million is all right. Motherwell keep clean sheets from time to time. He'll also get forward. Like He was in the box a couple of times, almost scored on the weekend. So that's not a bad one. Colin Doyle's at Kilmarnock. They are they rarely concede. I don't know what your opinion on Kilmarnock defenders is this season, Slavin. I think they'll be conceding goals. It's maybe one to avoid, but He's a low value, so... Yeah. How about Jason Holt? What do you reckon of him? He's gone from Rangers to Livingston. He could do okay. He could do okay. I don't know that they need a striker, but it's whether or not Livingston can adapt to Jason Holt. That's well, will the thing. You be, will you be buying him? I will not be buying Jason then Holt. Then I will I also not sti- be buying him. My formula is working pretty well at the moment. I don't need to change too much, so I'm in a... I'm in a... Po- I'm, in a I'm in positive... I'm in a positive <laughs> mood about my fantasy. Oh, good. And maybe well, you're maybe being too me. overconfident. Final final question for you, Mr. Expert of Fantasy Football, who doesn't even know the rules but still beats me. For anyone who had Lyndon Dykes in their sides, right, if he does go to Queen's Park Rangers, who is your recommended replacement? Who are you getting? I, I would go for Ross Stewart. I actually contemplated getting him in sooner. Um, just because he's getting into these opportunities. He should have scored a hat-trick at the weekend. He's getting into these you know, goal-scoring uh, opportunities and he's going to start scoring some more goals. So and he's Ross the person. You'll, you'll football, save some money too because Lyndon Dykes is what five point seven, yep. uh, Ross Stewart five point five. Um, other op- other people probably worth getting in. Callum Hendry. He's going to be playing a lot. You'll you'll probably pick up points here and there just through um, appearances. So Callum Hendry could also be a good one. And speaking of transfers, the rumor mill is in full flow. Is there a Scottish equivalent to this? The rumor distillery, maybe. I like rumor that. unicorn. Rumor brew. No. No, no. no I like it. the first one, Distillery. <laughs> Rumour Distillery, I like that, yes. Um, well, is Morelos off? Where's Bolly balling off? <laughs> is Dykes a done deal? Looks like it is. Here to answer all of those questions and more is a man who I believe owns more yellow ties than Jim White. It's news editor at Sky Sports News, Anthony Joseph. I've <laughs> given you the big one here, mate. <laughs> I'm not sure about the yellow ties. Um, Anthony, before we get into specifics, how's the transfer window comparing with others so far? Um, has COVID made an obvious impact on the Scottish transfer market? I feel there has been quite a lot of movement in the transfer window for Scotland, which is, uh, I thought they would wait a little bit, but I guess to see, because the season started so much earlier than the others, because the others went, uh, there's been uh, there's been a lot of movement so very quickly. And I guess the big thing, we might, we might be seeing a lot of ins right now, and then further down the line, we might, as Premier League clubs get back and English Championship clubs get back, we might see a few outs. So some of the rumours then, let's start with the story of the summer. 
do we think that Alfredo Morelos is going to be moving to Lille or is that now? Um, well, not this is interesting because uh, Lille and the players' representatives of agreed a deal for Morelos to join the club, but Lille and Rangers weren't able to agree a, f- a fee. I think a fee of around £15 million was rooted about. Um, but Lille have since signed Jonathan David instead, and last week they told us that they'd be reviewing their situation with Morelos. And like over the weekend, Lille president Gerard Lopez, he didn't commit to pursuing their interests, but he also didn't say it ended. The funny thing is... And it's amazing there should be some kind of transfer tree somewhere because this could rest on Jadon Sancho's transfer to Man United. So Dortmund had been already lining up a replacement for Sancho in Lille's Jonathan Ikone. And Sancho to Man United, well, that appears to be like the Ross and Rachel Willy Wonty drama of the the world transfer window, if you can say. If it goes ahead, Lille may look at Morelos again. But at the moment, it doesn't seem like there's any major interest. But like I said earlier, it's it could be down to clubs aren't back yet, haven't assessed all their options, haven't looked at, haven't even gone back into pre-season. Others are just getting into it. I'm sure as this progresses and Premier League clubs and other clubs get back, we'll see some sort of movement. But in terms of Lille it could rest on the Jadon Sancho transfer to Man United. So what's the noise with Edward just now? Has Andrew Celtic got anyone lined up? I guess they, they would go back to their list of mm-hmm. uh, striker targets mm-hmm. if Edward was to leave. But I, it's going to take something silly for Celtic to let Edward leave on such an important season. But like I said... What do you reckon? What do you reckon? 25 to 30, maybe 30, because Tierney went for 25, didn't he? In yeah. thir- so... Thirty million? No, but it, as as in silly money in terms of it's. I get you, but yeah, Edward's probably worth that in the market value. Depending if if it's an English club going for him, that's probably his market value. But I'm meaning silly money in terms of Celtic, what Celtic would normally bring in for transfers. But yeah, yeah. for top players, yeah, they can, they should be looking for something like that. And but whether the. Again, it's going to be interesting to see how what the English clubs do in terms of their spending because only a few seem to be spending big. What about staying with Celtic? What about Bolly Bolingoli? Obviously, what happened with him and you know lying about his situation, uh, going abroad and not quarantining. Have we seen the last of him at Celtic? Has he ruined his career? At the yeah, I believe he may not be included in Celtic's Champions League squad for tonight's game against oh. Reykjavik. So we'll see if it, Lennon was Lennon didn't commit to saying either way, but I think that is the case. So what we do know is that Celtic are looking to offload him. Um, before his incident, St Etienne, Amiens and Middlesbrough were interested. I think Neil Warnock last week said he doesn't think he's going to go back in for him. We also know that Amiens have since made a loan bid for him with an option to buy for £2.3 million. Neil Lennon yesterday claimed there hadn't been any bids in for him, but I think he's playing down that transfer speculation. The issue is that Celtic don't have a replacement lined up for him. They would be silly to offload Bollingoli now and leave themselves only with Greg Taylor while they're going with Champions League qualifiers. And it's going to be a fixture pile-up because they've had two games uh, postponed. They also want to fully investigate his conduct and issue any relevant punishment that he may come his way. It may be a wee while before we see any mo- any movement in this. And funnily enough, I was going to say that they should have let they shouldn't have let Johnny Hayes go, but then I remembered he was one of Aberdeen's coronavirus rule breakers. <laughs> Fair. Aaron Hickey to Bayern. Yeah, that's potentially huge, isn't it? 
And yeah. uh, well, there are reports that he'll be joining Bayern Munich on a five-year deal. We haven't had confirmation on that as of yet, but it was expected. Seventeen-year-old, he's been very impressive since he broke into the first team over a year ago. He was in Bologna looking around their training ground two weeks ago, and then he went to Munich last week to see Bayern's very world-class setup. So. I think he was he was sold on that move quite quickly. And what's going to be interesting is that in a few years, we may have a situation where Scotland have three world-class players and they're all left-backs. Yeah, he's only got Alfonso Davies ahead of him as well at Bayern to, to break into the first team. Uh, last one we've got uh, a know about is Ross McCrory to Aberdeen. Potentially a loan move. So, yeah, he was having his medical at Aberdeen yesterday. So... That should be done, but that, that was quite a twist in, twist in the tail late on because Hibs were the, the team that looked like they were going to be signing him as they had two bids in for him. The thing is, Gerard had said that he needs first-team football and he, that he had a couple of options in front of him, but he wasn't keen on Rangers facing him this season. So I guess that with a loan deal, it'll be possible for Rangers to control that so he won't come up against uh, Rangers with Aberdeen. But yeah, like you said, it's a loan deal with an option to buy, so it could be a permanent transfer. I was going to say actually, it's not it's not the only Scott that Bayern Munich have been bringing brought over. I know they brought that um, the under seventeen player for Celtic, Liam Morrison. So it's interesting that there's there's quite a few um, players that you know Bundesliga clubs are keeping an eye on some a lot of Scottish talent. Very interesting. They got Liam Morrison last season, I think it was was it last summer. From Celtic, and they're also expected to sign Barry Hepburn, who's 16 years old, I believe, and he's also at Celtic. Um, So he could be on his way to Bayern Munich uh, very soon as well. So a lot of Scottish talent going to some big clubs. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. Time to top the odds now with producer Abby, who joins me. First up, Aberdeen are back in action on Thursday. They face St Johnston. Normally, I'd be giving Aberdeen the win here, but I'm not so sure this time round. So what did Paddy Power say? Paddy Power, a bit like you, actually. They've got Aberdeen and St Johnston both at 17 to 10 to win this match, which I I was uh, I found as a bit of a surprise. The draw is a two to one, so uh, the trend of the of the last game week of uh, no home wins might be broken here. I don't know. As for the weekend, I really like the look of St Mirren against Ross County. Who have Paddy Power got winning that one, though? Paddy Power are backing St Mirren here, the home side, 7-5 to five to win this one. Despite Ross County being higher up in the table, they're 9-5. to five, And if you fancied the draw here, that is 23-10. to 10. And I think Motherwell are going to go all out against Hamilton as well. What can I get for a three-goal winning margin on this? If you fancy a three-goal winning margin, so a 3-0 win for Motherwell, that's 9-1. to one. Uh, But Paddy Power do think that the 1-0 uh, win in favour of Motherwell is more likely at 5-1. to one. Interesting. Thanks, Abby. Remember, gamble responsibly, and when the fun stops, stop. So if you think there's no more British sides in Europe, think again, because on Friday, Glasgow City are taking on Wolfsburg in the Women's Champions League quarterfinals. Here to tell us what to expect from the Scots, women's sport reporter, podcast host and journalist Heather Dewar. Heather, for those of us um, who don't know too much about the women's game in Scotland, tell us about Glasgow City and what they've already achieved, because they've done this before. 
Yeah, well, they've reached this stage of the competition, the quarterfinal stage, once before. But, you know, as far as their history, they have such an amazing history in Scotland. I mean, they, they just, they've dominated the game for so many years. They won the Scottish Cup last time around. I mean, it's just, they, they are the kind of team that I think it would be fair to say that most teams going up against them in the past would probably fear to a certain degree. When it comes to the Champions League, well, the gates are really wide open, aren't they? I mean, it's a totally different ball game, but they're the ones, certainly, if you were to choose any Scottish team, the likes of Hibernian, for example, have also played in the Champions League. But it's Glasgow City, the ones where you think, yeah, you know, they, they really could pull something out of the bag here. And they've put on some brilliant performances in the past. I mean, we look at how they got to this stage and the way that they, they came through against Bromby was just absolutely incredible. And they did it on penalties. 2-2, it ended on aggregate against the Danes. And, and an amazing display where they won 3-1 on pens. And the night was just incredible. I mean, I, I was there. I mean, everybody from the team was in tears. There was piling on top of each other just absolutely brilliant so as far as the game goes as I say they've really dominated I mean, they are the ones that, that seem to have you know historically brought on some of the, the biggest and brightest talent uh, they're the ones that uh, certainly say that they've had you know semi-professional players um, but you know they've got Scott Booth as a coach he's done some brilliant things for them and they've they've just made their mark on the game and you know you talk about women's football and, and what they've done for it they really have been at the forefront of the women's game. Now things are starting to change domestically. So I'll be very interested to see what happens, certainly in terms of the domestic season, when that all kicks off again in October. But we're talking about the Champions League for now and whether they'll be able to do something when it comes to this stage of the competition. They face a mammoth, mammoth task against Wolfsburg. You know, when the draw came out, really, I mean, I'm sure there were massive sighs and, and a lot of shock uh, when that happened because... Could they have picked a, a, well, could, could a worse opponent have been drawn out the hat for them? Who knows? Because th this side are phenomenal. And let's not forget, guys, they've already wrapped up their Bundesliga and they won it. So no, no easy challenge ahead. What would you say the gap in quality, if there is one, between the two sides are? And, uh, and Glasgow City have some decent players of their own, right? And we've yeah, talked yeah. about Scott Booth's decent coach. What, what, what do you think the, the, the gap is realistically? Oh, I think the gap's pretty huge. Yeah, right. it's it's yeah, yeah, it's pretty huge. I mean, you look at the list of players for for Wolfsburg. I mean, you've, you've, it's absolutely rammed full of internationals and and internationals from from all parts as well. You know, you've got Sweden international Fridolina Rolfo, Dutch international Dominic uh, Janssen, who netted twice, for example, in the first leg against FC Twenty. You've got the Polish international, who's really well known, Eva Pajor too. It's absolutely packed full of talent. I mean, you know, playing in the Bundesliga, you know, it's it's, it's something that so many females would aspire to. To, you know, to be a part of, and it's, you know, they are the team that you want to be playing for. But in terms of, you know, Glasgow City, I mean, not taking anything away from the talent in there, but, you know, they've, they've brought on some new signings. Scott Booth has just announced today, actually, his uh, his fourth signing of the summer. They've, they've got talent in there, but, you know, when it comes to the, the gap, I think, you know, you, you just, you look at the history, as I say, of Wolfsburg and what they've done. They've reached the last eight 
for the eighth consecutive season in the Champions League. They've won the Champions League twice. I mean, can you imagine if a Scottish team won the Champions League? I mean, it would just be absolutely phenomenal. And you look at the record as well on, the, on their route to it. I mean, they beat uh, the Kosovo side, Mitrovica, 15-0 on aggregates. And that was including a huge 10-0 away win in Pristina. They knocked out FC 20 7-0 on aggregate as well to, to make this stage. So really, you know, their dominance can't be underestimated. And I think most people would say that when, when you look at this game ahead, you know, on paper, without doubt, you know, they, they will be the favourites for this. Well, the game's on, the game's on Friday. Um, and if people want to show their support, how, how can they get their, their, their eyes across the game? It's on BBC Alba, so it'll be live on BBC Alba and um, it's also on Sportsound actually for the BBC, so you'll be able to listen across to that. So yeah, do show your support for Glasgow City, you know, they've, they've done so much, as I say, for the women's game and just to reach this stage of the competition is a phenomenal achievement for what they get, you know, and for the backing that they get. And let's not forget that a lot of the teams that are playing in, in this competition, the standard and quality of their domestic leagues is is big you know it's impressive as i say you know you, you look at scandinavia for example and a lot of the scandinavian teams that come out or or holland th these are the kind of countries that a lot of you know footballers in this country aspire to go and play in so you know and the, the likes of arsenal as well you know you've got some top talent for so for a scottish team who play at petersill park you know to to reach this stage of the champions league is an extremely impressive thing and i don't think you know whether they win this one or not and as i say i don't think honestly speaking anyone will expect them to win it but whether they do or not i think they have to be applauded for reaching this stage heather joe there by the way jj you know how all the talk in scottish premiership is about 10 in a row glasgow well, for some throw people. that into celtic's faces because glasgow run glasgow city run 13 in a row so that's what the, that's it's where a the monopoly in the league <laughs> Well, if you listen yeah. to Heather, maybe it's you know going to be an interesting season next time. Yeah, but yeah. good luck to Glasgow City on Friday in the Women's Champions League. But that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Thanks to the Little Kicks for our theme tune. Thanks, JJ, for keeping me company. And as well to our producer, Abby, who makes us sound so brilliant. Or maybe... Well, it's up to you to decide that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. But for now, cheerio. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. And be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy Knees Media.